Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a mental health professional, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional on the Still Trippin' podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the Still Trippin' Podcast. I'm your host, David, and we're right back at you with another episode for you teens and young adults out there, and yes, for you parents who are creeping. See, we can see the analytics through Apple, but we can tell who's listening to the podcast, so all you parents out there are creeping, we know you're there, we know you're listening, it's okay, this is not your podcast, but it's okay to kind of eavesdrop a little bit. So before we start the episode out, we want to give a big shout out to Stance Socks. Now, trust me, guys, when I tell you this. If you're a teenager or young adult and you don't know who Stan Socks is, then go to stance.com. If you're local, go to Fashion Place Mall to the Stance store. It is the best way, the best way to get your sock game from busted to bougie. Look down at your feet. <laughs> if your feet are ugly, if your feet have socks on them that have got holes in them, maybe you haven't gotten socks since you're in middle school. They're all busted up, torn up. Maybe they're, you know, like the socks at the top, they can't even hold up anymore. They're like falling down. Do not think about it. Go down to Stance, Fashion Place Mall in here in Utah. Talk to my people down there. Ask for Devin. Devin's a manager down there. They will give you VIP treatment. They'll ask you your style, what you got going on. They'll help get you dialed in. Like I said, from busted to bougie, they will take you there. Stance.com, if you're not local and you want to hit up and get some great socks, they always have some great sales, warehouse sales. And uh, just overall, they're going to make your fashion just that much better. So thanks for joining the podcast. Today, I have another real-life teenager with me. Uh, like all my teenagers, I plucked her off the street, just said, hey, we're doing a podcast. You want to come and do a podcast? She said, absolutely. Just kidding. Did not pluck her off the street. She's here voluntarily with her parents' knowledge. Everybody in her family knows me. And we may divulge who she's related to that some of our listeners may know. But uh, today I have with me September. September, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Hi, David. <laughs> so you excited about today? A little nervous? Yeah, I'd say I'm good, nervous, excited, equal. <laughs> well, the reason why I had September come on the podcast today, <coughs> the reason why I had uh, September come on the podcast today is because today I want to talk about something that a lot of young people out there have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. It starts with a P, ends with errands. That's right, your parents. Some of us have relationships with our parents that are okay. Some of you may have relationships with your parents that are not okay. And some of you may have a relationship with your parents that it's just not where you want it to be. Well, wherever you're at right now, September's pretty much been in all those phases throughout her experience with her parents. So I asked September to come on the podcast today She's got a really interesting story, a story that, in my opinion, when I heard about all these details, I was really surprised that you and your parents have come so far, and we're going to get into that. But I, I want to start off with just hearing a little bit about, you know, a little bit about the past couple of years of your life, because in the past couple of years of your life, um, there's been a lot of ups and downs. You know, you moved here to Utah a few years ago. So um, let's just start with that. So why don't you talk about... Um, when did you move here? Um, I moved here about almost two years ago in July. So July 4th or around the 1st. So let's find that it would be about two years then. 
Okay. So when you moved here, kind of describe where you came from, where you're living at before, what your life was like then, and then what happened and what changed drastically when you came here to Utah. <laughs> um, so I was in San Jose, California. Um, I had moved around a lot before that, but that's where my parents said, we're going to stay here till you graduate. Um, that did not end up happening at all. <laughs> but so you were not angry or mad at all that you're moving from warm California to cold Utah. Oh, I was so happy, you know, just bouncing off the walls, you know. No, I was pretty pissed. We were, we were here six years ago before um, California. We were in Florida before that. And so, like, I knew the weather and we always come back, but I never thought I'd come back here and be living here again for full time. And especially you didn't think you'd be ending your high school career here. No, no, I didn't. I thought I'd be ending it with my San Jose girls. and. That was not the case. So just real quick for a second, how tough do you think it is? Well, you don't have to think, you know. But just going through what you've been through, leaving a different state, different school, coming to another school, and you've bounced around a lot, was it easier every time you moved? Or was it just, I mean, just kind of explain to people that haven't had those experiences, what's that like for a teenage girl to be bouncing around from different schools? It was, it was hard. It was really hard. I know my... From Florida to California, it was probably one of the hardest moves um, because I just moved. We moved there, and I immediately was like, I'm not going to make friends with anyone. I'm just going to shut everyone out because I know we're going to move in a couple years, and I don't want that heartbreak again, which um, that didn't happen. (laughs) I ended up actually making friends, which was nice. But then moving here to Utah was probably one of, one of the harder moves I've definitely done. They do get easier along the way because you get used to it. But over time, as you get older, it's harder to stick into groups. It's harder to pop into groups. It's hard. Just Yeah, because I imagine, especially kids that grew up in the same area, it's harder to penetrate, you know, um, like social groups, like you said. Because if they've been knowing each other for many years, it's really difficult to break in, you know, when they already have their established, you know, cliques. Yeah, yeah, it it definitely is, especially in a lot of the schools here in Utah, it's definitely very clicky. It's a lot clickier than you would think in California, let's say. Like, I thought it, it was clicky there, but it is nowhere near clicky here in Utah, how it is. It is different world. So leaving all your girls in California coming here, just coming here and knowing that you're leaving all your friends, talk about what that kind of, what kind of state of mind that threw you in, because that's when I first met you because we obviously, you know, I'm, I'm friends with your family. I'm mm-hmm. a little, you know, spoiler alert. Her last name is Swap. <laughs> <laughs> so some of you may be familiar, you know, one of our earlier guests in an earlier podcast, uh, Quincy Swap. And on my other podcast for parents uh, called Light the Fight, uh, her mom, Heidi Swap. So, you know, the, you're related to the Swap family. And so that's how I, I knew you and met you. But talk about a little bit when you came from California here. What was that like? What did it do to your mental and emotional well-being? And, and how difficult was that really for you? That You're going to start crying, aren't you? <laughs> I might. I might. Um, it's okay. It's allowed here. Trust it's, me. It's been a rough two days lately. So, yeah. <laughs> But it was it was really hard. I um, chose the complete up. Op- so I, living here before, I had a best friend. Um and I had grown up with her until we moved. And we had still gone back and forth, like, hang out with each other. When I came out, she would come see me in other states and everything. And she was kind of the one person I knew I always solidly had. Like, And when we moved here, I 
chose Olympus over Skyline, where she had went. And I thought, this is going to be a good choice for me. I'm going to be able to make good, like, make friends. Like, and one of our other friends was there, and me and him weren't at clo- weren't that close anymore, but we were still kind of good friends. He was kind of like a good, like, base to have there and stuff. And um, it was definitely a lot harder. I went into the school expecting what had happened in all my other ones, kind of someone coming up and being like, hey, like, who are you? Like, what's your name? Like, let me be your friend. And I can tell you that did not happen. I probably was alone at lunches for the first week. And that had never happened to me before. I was going to say, how hard was that for your ego? Because, you know, those people listening, they can't tell, you know, you're young, attractive, talented. <laughs> and, like, you have all these amazing things. You went from being super social and popular at your other school to now you're one of the kids that was sitting by yourself at lunch. Yeah. And I... It, it sucked. I would go and, on, like, you know, in the movies, how the girl goes or people go sit in the bathroom at lunch. That was me. I never thought that that was a real thing, but that was me. I would go sit in the bathrooms at lunch and I would, wouldn't even eat. I'd just hide in there because I didn't want anyone to see me. I was too embarrassed. And, I mean, I had, like, one girlfriend here there, but she would forget about me and, like, which was normal. I didn't put it to blame or hurt or anything. I mean, her are good friends now, but it was, like, I was new, and I she had her whole group and everything, and I just hopped in. So you don't want to be like the third wheel and no. be trying to tag along. Didn't. So now, now let's talk a little bit about during that time. What did it do to you personally? Your self confidence, your your mental state, your emotional state. Well, I had before in California been really struggling with um, my self image and like who I was, and with who I wanted to be really and then coming out here and doing that it just made me hate myself even more I didn't want anything to do with anyone I didn't want myself really I started spiraling down into a really dark hole which I didn't even realize I was going down I just thought maybe oh hey this is high school everyone goes through this and I had no idea that I was I was going down that really at all it was kind of just (laughs) <laughs> so how did you cope with that at that time um a lot of the teenagers that i talked to and and i saw this growing up myself as well that sometimes when you don't fit in somewhere um you can't easily make friends um sometimes people will turn to you know drugs drinking you know those are definitely the easier friends to make yeah. because those are kind of a lot of times they're the misfits themselves they're the friends like hey as long as you're cool you kick it you party with us it's easier to make friends with those types of people than the people already have those established friend groups that have been together for a whole long, like basically their whole entire life. So to cope with your sadness, your depression, and self-image, those things that you said you were struggling with, did you uh, go in that direction at all? I did. Yeah, I did. I, I, and even, even in California, I was smoking, drinking, I was having a ball, and I came out here and – I didn't really do that, but I did get hooked on one of those nicotine devices with my friends, you know, good old high school nicotine addiction. Not very much there. <laughs> Not there anymore, but I was hooked on that to a while because that was the kids who accepted me. That was the kids who wanted to bring me in. And I still love those kids to this day. I am still close with a lot of them, and I still all love them to death because they were the only people who brought me in and were like, hey, you're chill. Let's let's hang out. Let's do something. And they were one of the few 
I have a lot of respect for those kids because they, even knowing they might be doing things that do harm themselves, I do love them because they picked me up when I really needed them. I'm glad you said that too. Um, I think it's easy to demonize people or to say, oh, I was hanging out with, uh, I'm doing air quotes, the bad crowd. <laughs> um, because it would seem like the bad kids are bad. When in reality, the kids that maybe aren't doing the things that typical adults would want them to do, they all have a story. I don't think they're bad kids. I don't think I've ever been able to say there is a group of bad kids I've been involved with. And there's no such, I don't think there is a, there's, that should be a title really. They all had their own good personality traits. They have their own things They may have been done through. doing stuff that weren't necessarily all that healthy for them. No. And may, some of them have made bad choices, but I'm glad you mentioned that you were able to get some stabilizing relationships from some of those kids. Now, granted, you know, as we talk about more of the future, certain people are, um, certain relationships are for a certain place in time yeah. and you kind of move on from certain relationships. But, um, uh, you know, I'm glad you gave a, a shout out to, you know, some of those people to not, you don't want other people to think that because that they were doing things drinking, smoking, those different types of stuff that didn't mean that they didn't have any good qualities or traits about them, that they were actual bad friends. They were just you know, doing things that sometimes you get in trouble for. And I think, honestly, some of the kids who I found that I was out smoking and drinking with, they are some of the best friends I've ever found compared to the kids who are the really preppy Mormons and everything, not trying to be mean or anything, but compared to those kids at my school, the kids who would – go drink and do all those things, They, I have found that they are better friends in the end than anything. Well, why do you think that is? Because we talked about this a while ago, and because I'd asked you, like, what draws you towards some of those kids that seem to be, like, they're wayward. That's a, a fancy terminology, an old-time terminology for kids who are not doing all the best things. Do you think it has to do with you could relate to them more? That maybe you had similar pain or struggles that they were going through as well? Yeah, they were – they – I think for me, really, I bonded to them because they were in reality faster than other kids. And I had hit reality pretty fast, moving so much and having a lot going on in my family. I definitely hit reality faster than a lot of kids. And the kids who were doing that, they had definitely hit reality as well. Like it was. Well, I, I know you told me some of their lives that really rough family situations. Yeah. Some of yeah. them had had horrible abuse that had happened to them. So it wasn't like they just woke up one day and said, hey. I'm going to drink on the weekend and parties and smoke and stuff like that. They'd all gone through different struggles and they were trying to figure that out. Yeah. And I don't think anyone, even myself, like when I was doing those things, I didn't even think I was doing that as a coping thing. And I think a lot of kids do that stuff just thinking that it's a co it gets away from them to cope and find something that helps them make them feel better. And I can tell you right now, it worked. It worked for a time. And I, I don't even shave myself for that. That's something I... I'm honestly kind of proud of because it got me out of a situation. It was a way for me to. I'm not like promoting do drugs or drink or anything, yeah, but no, it we're was. Not saying that by any means. It was definitely something I found to help me, and it's not for everyone. But sometimes there's things you need at a time and place. Well, and we'll come back to that too because we've had a recent conversation where you shared with me. It's interesting your influence now because where you're at now, you go back to some of those relationships. Those kids now open up to you yeah. because yeah. you were with them in the same trenches. You guys were struggling with the same stuff. And then now they're getting curious, like, September, like, how did you turn your life around? Like, what had happened? So now they're coming to you and you're giving them good life advice, good suggestions. And I remember the recent conversation we had, it really blew my mind 
the advice and suggestions you're giving your friends because it was the only kind of advice that A, someone would have to go through those things themselves, and B, I don't think they would open up to you had you not experienced those things with them. Because it's easy to open up to people you can relate to, but it's hard to open up to people that you think are going to criticize you and judge you. So we'll come back to that in, in a little bit, but now I want to talk about during this time from leaving California, because I'm glad you brought that up that even before you left California and you made some friends there, you were still struggling with some self-image issues and some struggles, you know, some depression and those types yeah. of things. And then that carried over and it just got 10 times worse yeah. when you came to Utah. So now let's talk about how that affected your relationship with your parents. Because I, I think you have a story where your parents didn't <laughs> trust you too much. Yeah, my parents, I wouldn't say I was their favorite child at all. Definitely not. Uh, they always say I am their favorite daughter because I am their only daughter. <laughs> I was I not it. I was not their favorite child at the moment though for a time for a couple years. <laughs> so, give us some details about like paint the picture. What was your relationship looking like with them? Like how bad what, did it get when you were in California coming here? Um, I say in California, I probably had a little bit more of their trust cuz I was pretty good at hiding all that and everything and I came out here and I the wards are a little bit more into the school, so kids saw you do things. They told their parents. Their parents told your parents. What do you parents. mean the wards? Mormon church wards. Yeah, explain that a little so, bit because some people, yeah. we do have listeners all, what do we have, Guatemala, Germany. We have listeners all over the world, Australia, Sweden, France. I don't know why. Well, there must be a bunch of teenagers that can speak English. Um, but we have listeners all over the world that may not know what you mean by wards and stuff. So yeah, just kind of so explain it to them. The LDS church, um, the Mormon church, uh, they have like wards, like the church buildings they go to. And that is their people who live in your neighborhood, I guess. Boundaries. And and boundaries and, yeah. and stuff. And that's they. If you live in a certain area, them. that's a ward and they all go to church. They all at the go same to church time. together at the same time. And there's like so like. So there's a lot of people in a close proximity that mm -hmm. will be knowing what you're doing. And then see you at church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Or in California, I'm from California. You could probably, you know, there's probably I a couple of miles between it, yeah. Mormon people and their I residents. Get away with it. There was like, I don't know, there could be kids like all the way across the Bay Area and like they were in your ward, but they didn't go to the same school as you, so they had no idea. <coughs> so it apologize. was a lot easier. I got it. I'm, I'm recovering from a, a bad cold. So for <laughs> all you guys listening there, I apologize. You're going to hear me coughing in the background. So your relationship with your parents. Going south really quickly. You lost a lot of trust. Share with us a little bit how that non-trusting relationship looked. Like, what were some things your parents did to show you that they were not Team September? <laughs> um, I had cameras in my car. I had a camera facing forward out my front windshield. I had a camera facing out my back windshield. And I had a camera facing inside of my car. So you could see me driving and all my like friends. Like 3D, like three yeah, different angles. Yeah, like there was, you could see it all, everything. And Now, did your parents ever check these cameras? Yes, yes. So they weren't just for looks, they actually worked? No, they actually worked. They worked. There were plenty of times my dad would be like, so why were you going 30 and a 10? Or why were you going... Like ninety and a seventy, and I was like, or I thought you go into so and so's house, but you really went over here. Yeah, so I did find ways to turn them off and turn them back on, but like, what would that? Okay, for example, <laughs> you found ways to turn them off and, and turn them on. What did that do with your relationship when you got caught? So I actually don't know if I ever got caught. 
<laughs> I think they probably knew because they started to crack down a little bit more and stuff. But just I, having them in the car, what was that like for you? It sucked. I felt like I had no privacy at all. So did it make you want to work with your parents or did it make you want to rebel a little bit more? It made me, honestly, it made me mad because they would tell me, they're like, you have a license. That's how we trust you and everything. They're like, you have a car. That's how we trust you. And I was like, okay, so why do you have cameras in my car? Like, if you trust me so much to have a license and a car, why is there cameras in my car? Like, I don't understand. How is that trust? Like, that's like you're still watching me like I'm a toddler. I'm... I'm almost 18 and you guys, or I was almost 17 at that time. And I was like, you guys still have cameras in my car. So what the heck is going on, dudes? That's not trust. I don't think that's ever trust. And just out of curious, what were some of the things they'd say in return? With the... Like, what was their comebacks when you would say that? They're just like, uh, don't question me. I'm the parent. I'm, I'm in charge. And I was like, they didn't have good comebacks really as far as I can remember. It was like, well, I'm the parent. Um, I'm the boss around here, so like, don't question me. <laughs> this was a debate that wouldn't be a very good comeback. No, not a very good comeback at all. So why don't, why don't you start telling what, what started to change your relationship? Because your parents, <coughs> I know your mom's an avid listener of my podcast. Yeah. You know, she talked to Heidi Swap a lot. There's lots of conversations. You know, they came to some things that we put on. And your parents started to, they started to look for a different approach because what they were doing in the control <laughs> version of parenting. Now, granted, in their defense, it wasn't like you're this perfect angel. No, I wasn't. They I was were, not. You were giving them plenty of reasons to worry. Yes. And I think you may have lied about not being at school once or twice. Mm. Yeah, once or twice. Just once or twice? Just okay. once or twice. Once or a hundred times. And so there was a lot yeah. of stuff going on that it wasn't going well in the trust category. No. But what changed September? Like, I know they started listening to my podcast. I know they started listening to Heidi. I know they started coming to some of the events we did. But what started to change? Like, what did you guys do? Because this is where the listeners, the teens listening to this, can actually go to their parents and make suggestions. Because a lot of people listening to this can relate to the lack of relationship and trust with their parents, but they don't know what to do about it. We did a parenting agreement. It works. I am not kidding. I have heard so many people like comment on like your things and they're like, like that wouldn't work. That's crazy. It works. Okay, so, I'm telling you right so now, explain, it works. Explain to everybody. Now, what she's referring to is in my other podcasts and workshops and stuff I do, I call it a parenting agreement. Mm -hmm. A parenting partnership agreement is yeah. basically what it's really called. And so her family and her tried it. So why don't you kind of explain the, just kind of the basis. You don't have to give all the details, but like basically mm -hmm. how it works and then what started to happen when you guys started to do it? So, like, for example, um, I skipped school. I hated school. I could not be there. I felt like I was dying when I was there. But so I needed to like go to school. Like anxiety attacks? And yeah, I just felt like I felt claustrophobic. And if you know Olympus High School, it's huge. And I felt claustrophobic. And also, so, in, in your defense, coming from California where there's not buildings. Open, it's open schools. Open hallways. You're only inside when you're in your class. Yeah. Outside, besides that, it's outside. Yeah. You come here to Utah. I walk around Utah high schools all the time, and I start getting anxiety because I'm like, oh, my gosh. The, the walls are closing. It feels yeah. like it's just a big, like, rat cage. Yeah. I feel like I'm in jail. But So I would skip a lot because I couldn't stand being there and stuff. And um, there was, when we tried it, my parents said, okay, if you skip and we get a call, you could either choose – with going without your phone for a day, no friends for um, Saturday, or no car for a day. And I got to pick what day, and I got to pick, like, what 
what punishment and everything. So that was. So instead of them getting a call from the school and saying, you're grounded. And you're like, for how long? Like until we decide. Until we, till we get, you know, like for as long as we say. Instead of those, there was actually agreement that. Because one, I remember one of the times you told me when this was going on, you said, I actually legitimately skipped school to help out a friend who was struggling. Yeah. But because you'd skipped so many times when it was just your own personal struggles, your parents didn't believe you. And in the past, that would have caused a big argument. But once the agreement came about, your parents just said, okay, we're not mad at you. You know, based upon the agreement, it was your choice. So now just pick what you want to go without for a day. You picked to go without your car or something like that. I, I always picked to go without my car. Because you had like, friends that could pick you up. I had and friends stuff. that could pick me like, up. I don't want to give up my cell phone. Yeah. So you picked to go without your car. And then I remember you saying, your parents like, okay. You turn your car. You got it back 24 hours later. And you started to learn something different about these behaviors like going to school and, and, working, on your, and working on your grades. What did you learn from this? When you weren't being punished, you were actually agreeing with your parents to you would say, hey, I'm going to go without this because it's only fair. Here's my job to go to school if I don't do my job. So, for example, like if, because you know, you work at Colestone, right? Shout mm-hmm. out to Colestone. <laughs> if you don't go to Colestone on Thursday for your shift, they don't pay you for Thursday shift. No. Right? Like, so this agreement was very much like a real job. So what did you learn from you being able to choose what you were going to go without versus your parents and you fighting and them just taking all your freedoms away? Um, I felt more in co- in control and I feel like uh, as you get older you need to start doing that you know you start feeling like you want to be more in control of your life and I definitely felt more in control I felt more responsibility so as it kind of got closer to the end of the year and I was still skipping I was finding ways to like make sure I couldn't get my car taken away or something but it still was like um I would try and start getting back on top of things I started skipping less and everything I ended up actually because my grades were so bad from the rest of the school year I ended up dropping out and I um went back at the beginning of my senior year this year and same thing happened like skipping and stuff we kind of didn't do the parent agreement but then I tra- like out of my own because of that like the whole parenting agreement and everything I came through a responsibility it was like this is me this is my life this is no one else's it's not my parents fault no like they did not go to class for me yeah, I didn't go to class this is my fault and I came to the conclusion that I need to switch to Valley High School and I can say that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me and I can say I probably wouldn't be there right now if it wasn't for having the parenting agreement there it kind of brought, really brought some reality into my life so it, j- so just kind of break this down for everybody. You started the parenting agreement. And it's important to say this because this didn't happen overnight. No. You started this parenting agreement. And it wasn't just not going to school or skipping class. It was if you came home, if your curfew was at like midnight and you came home at 1 o'clock, instead of your parents lecturing all night, they just said, okay, now next week, not right then at the moment, now next week you have to pick a day that you have to go without something. So the way the parenting agreement works is that it's seven days at a time. Yeah. So on, let's say uh, your agreement went from Friday to Friday. Well, if on Monday night you came home late, you don't get punished on Tuesday. You Your punishment or the thing that you choose to go without doesn't happen until the following Friday. So it gives both parties, your parents and you, a time to calm down, time to chill out. And then when the next Friday comes, you realize, hey, I came home late. That's my bad. It's on me. But you did this for many, many months and yeah, it I didn't. Just, it didn't like get better right away. But I like what you said. You started to realize 
that if I'm not going to class, I'm not doing these things, it has nothing to do with my parents. But your parents, when they were trying to control it, they would get mad at you, and then you get mad at them for being mad at you, and then it became about your parents. And something off to the side (laughs) called school wasn't getting dealt with. And your parents knew, like, this wasn't working. You knew it wasn't working. But over time, after you took some time away from school, you realized, I want to get back into school. You tried another version of the parent agreement, and it worked in the sense that it helped you see that your relationship with your parents was getting better because they weren't policing you about your grades and about coming home in time. They weren't, by the way, they did take the cameras out of the car. They did. Yes, they That's did. how the agreement started. They did. You told them if you take the cameras out of the car, your attitude and behavior would get better. And guess what? It, Even though you didn't do great at school, your relationship got better. My mom's now my best friend. And so that's what I want to focus on now. The, the parenting agreement took a while. It takes you, time. Everything takes time. You get to Valley. You choose to go to Valley because it was a choice that this is going to be better for me. And by the way, Valley is a continuation of high school here locally in Salt Lake. And this high school, it's kind of like going to college. You go yeah. to class. You leave class. You go home. There's no pep rallies. You're only there for a few hours a day. You're just there doing the work, and that's it. But you went there with a different attitude and you had a better relationship with your parents. So let's get back to how did the the agreement allow there to be room and space for you and your parents to have a relationship? Because before you guys started this agreement, (laughs) what you guys told me, there wasn't all that good of a relationship. In fact, the Spanish have a terminology for that. It's called no bueno. So your relationship was no bueno. (laughs) Okay? So what did the agreement do for your guys' relationship? And then talk about what it did for the relationship. And then how your relationship is like your saving grace right now for all the stuff you got to deal with in, in today's life. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it felt more of like, I don't know if this will really work, but you know, like how people say keep things state in church. It kind of, I want to say it was kind of like that. Keep them like, separated. Yeah, it kept them separated. It kept my parents like when they needed to parent me, they needed to parent me. When they When I needed them to be my friend, I had them as my friend. And that's what I needed for a lot of it. I needed them through my friend. And when they finally did the parenting agreement and stuff and got things, like, rolling and got things working, I became my own kind of boss. My parents were there to guide me. And then when I needed them, I I felt like I could go to them. I felt like I could go talk to my mom. I felt like she could be my best friend for once. I had always been jealous of my other friends who were like, oh, my gosh, dude, my mom and I did this. And I was like, my mom yelled at me this weekend. What's up? Like, I don't have that. <laughs> I was like, In fact, you didn't even ever want to be at home. No, no. Before I, you guys did this, you were gone constantly. So now if your parents were sitting here, and if I was to ask your mom, I'd say, Mom, what was it like for you to have your daughter never want to be around you, never want to be at home? What was that like for you? How, how do you think she'd respond to that? She'd probably cry. Knowing my mom, she'd probably get teary eyed and she started to get sad because um, we've talked, me and her have talked about this before, and she said, I didn't like it. I felt so distant from you, and I didn't like it either, but it's how I felt. I felt like they didn't want me around. I do know my mom is, we're both sorry about that phase in our life, but it had to happen, I feel like, for us to be who we are today. Do you think um, with uh, how you, your guys' relationship went from not being around each other, and to now you guys are, like you said, you said my mom's my best friend. You guys talk all the time. And you're still finishing high school. So it's not like this happened when you're an adult and you got married. This is happening right now. Mm-hmm. So how important do you think that is for you 
and other teenagers to have a close relationship with, in this case, with your mom and your dad, because you've been through a lot. Yeah. But could you imagine going through all the stuff you're going through right now without having their support? So why don't you just weigh in on how important do you think it is to have a close relationship with your parents? Because you used to not have one, now you do. So no. you can have, you can compare the two. I, I can't imagine a relationship without my mom and dad now. If I think about it, like I can't imagine it. I like my boyfriend, for example. Like he, he'll go to me. He'll he'll be like, he's like you know, most kids these days, like they will have like a nicotine addiction or a drug addiction. You you have a, an addiction to your mom. <laughs> and I sit there and I'm like, well. Yeah, because I can't honestly, like, I'll leave the house and I immediately call her. I'll be out and about and I'm like, I need to go home. I miss my mom. Like, I can't imagine it without her anymore. Like, she is literally my partner in crime and so is my dad. Like, I, I'm so, like, it is such a big thing. I have told even girls, I have a group chat I'm in on Snapchat and it's a whole bunch of girls. And I remember one time these girls were saying, like, I don't know how to fix this with my, like, I don't know this, this. They were just saying a whole bunch of stuff. I don't remember the details. But I did say one thing. I said, you build your relationship with your parents. I promise you, everything will fall into place after that. Because I don't think I, this was the best thing I've ever did. It was kind of building a relationship with my parents, having them be my best friends. It has brought so much trust and so much more life into my world than anything. Well, let's talk about trust for a second. Usually I'll hear from parents saying, I don't trust my kids. But from your experience, do you think it goes both ways? Do you think there's a lot of teenagers that want actually to have that relationship with their parents, but they don't, they can't trust their parents that their parents won't freak out. Their parents won't go, oh my gosh, you made a mistake. So now your whole life's going to be ruined. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, they freak out. So I didn't trust telling them. And now it's like, oh, hey mom, like I like hit a jewel the other day or something. Like I smoked the other day and my mom's not going to freak out. She goes, okay, like don't do any like I don't even want to do this I don't do that stuff now and I don't like to but, but you could tell them I could tell saying. them that and they would be like okay like don't do it again they wouldn't freak out and that type of thing like I can go to my mom like for example like um I yesterday I got rejected from my dream college the University of Utah and I was in pieces and my mom asked me and she was like what would you well, she asked me today when we was talking to her and I, she was like what would have you done yesterday when you found out? And I said, I would have gone out yesterday, left the house, and gotten high. I would have honestly probably gone. I mean, if this was like a year or two ago when you yeah, didn't like have a year a or two ago when we didn't have a good relationship, I would have probably gotten high. I would have probably gone out and done something to help me cope, to help me feel better about myself. And instead, I left. I went to my work. My friend was working, and I hung out there. And then I went home. And today, I just talked to my mom, and I said. I literally broke down to my mom. I was like, I was like, mom, I got rejected and I hate myself right now. I'm not even mad or anything. I'm mad at the fact that I messed up. And a year ago, if someone told me a year ago today, I'd be getting rejected from the University of Utah and I'd be crying to my mom about it. I would have said no. Yeah, but I, first of all, I don't care about college. Yeah, I would have said <laughs> Second of all, um, I wouldn't be crying to my mom. I wouldn't be crying to my mom. I wouldn't be crying about college because I wasn't going, but I'm... Like, I never thought I'd be there, you know? I never thought I would be sitting there crying to my mom today saying, I don't know what to do. This is, like, it for me, you know? And it was kind of crazy sitting there with my mom and just 
like she came over and she hugged me and I was like, mom, I was like, I hate myself right now. I just got rejected from my dream school and I hate myself. And I think just after talking to my mom for like even like five minutes, I immediately felt better. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back up on my feet. I'm going to apply to other schools. I'm going to get this done and everything. And it was just the fact that I talked to my mom. If I had talked to anyone else, I probably would have still been pissed. And I did. But like I talking to my mom gave me so much more power to myself. You know what? Um, hey, I'm just putting myself in your shoes right now. <laughs> And I know a big reason why you're mad at yourself because we've had a couple conversations. Yes. And I know you look back at the past two years. You're like, I would have known then what I knew <laughs> now. Because let me tell you guys, September's a very smart person. You have all the capabilities to get into the University of Utah. The problem was is you just started working hard on it your senior year. Yeah. So <laughs> you were late to the party. Really you were late. at other parties instead of the school party. <laughs> And so I know you're beating yourself up because you're like, dang it, I did this to myself. So I could see you feeling like you're worthless. You're, you're you know, feeling horrible about yourself. But to know that you have that relationship with your mom, that you can go and talk to her, and she didn't say stupid, typical mom stuff like, well, why do you feel that way, honey? Like, what's wrong? She knows you so well, that would be a ridiculous question. Instead of saying, why do you feel that way, she just gave you a hug and be like, I get it. And just yeah. let you cry. She didn't try to tell you don't feel that way. She didn't try to save you. Instead, you snapped out of it. You shook it off. And you're like, okay, well, I can still get there. I just got to take a different route. I just need more time. Yeah, I need more time. That's something sometimes you need. And sometimes you do need more time. And you need less people around or more people. It just depends on the person. And just to have my mom sit there and hold me and say, hey, <coughs> it's going to be okay. This is you, though. But this was, like, it was everything I needed. And I tried talking to my friends yesterday about it and was, like, bawling my eyes out on Snapchat to my girls, you know, the normal <laughs> thing girls do. And I was, like, and just the fact to hear, like, my mom come up to me and be, like, it's okay. You have, like, I told her, I was, like, I have a right to hate myself right now. And she's, like, but don't hold on to it for too long. She's, like, this is, this is you and She's like, it's okay. It's going to get better. Well, great advice because from things you told me from before, your mom's come a long way. Yes. Because in the past, she you'd has. be like, what's wrong? What happened? Oh my gosh. Like, what do we got to do? She would have been freaking out. You're like, you're freaking out with me freaking out. Doesn't make it better, mom. No. And now she just calms down and she comes over and she holds me and she says, you know what? It's going to work out in your own way. And I used to think that's crap. Now I believe it. Like, it's going to work out in, my own, in well, its own way. Isn't that what our best friends do? The yeah. people who really have our back, they don't try. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You guys coughing. They don't try to take away our pain. They just sit with us while we're going through it. Yeah. So I tell you what, um, we got a couple questions here from some listeners. Uh, we put out there on um, our social media on our Instagram page our Stance Socks giveaway. So mm -hmm. um, thanks to Stance, we're giving away some socks to those people who submit questions. You can win a pair of socks even if we don't pick your question. If we just like your question but we didn't get a chance to get to it or didn't fit our episode, we can still pick you. Um, in fact, when this episode comes out, we're going to po be posting on Instagram who are the winners of last week's episode. So um, so this week's uh, questions were questions about your parents. So let's start off with this first one. How important, it is, how important is it to talk to your parents and let them know what's happening in your life? Also, how can you build a better connection with them? So why don't you take a crack at this question, September? <laughs> um, I'd say, like I said before, it's so important. I didn't think it was a long time ago, but I'm 
It's so important. It's crazy important. Um, you used to think well, the most important thing was how do I keep my parents out of my life and yeah. not let them in yeah. on things. And I used to think, oh, I'll have a good relationship when I'm pregnant and married. Like, then I'll have, like, a relation with... Relationship I'll have to ask my mom for recipes and what yeah. to do to like, keep this baby alive. Yeah, like, when I marry and pregnant, like, then I'll have a good relationship with my mom. But now, like, this is... It's so important. And I... Something I would... Yeah, to build a better connection with them, what would you suggest? I would say get them alone. Get your parents alone. Like, or whatever parent you kind of bond most with, I'd say, or something. Or you want to bond with. Yeah. Get them alone and sit them down and spill everything to them i know um i did that right before everything i came into my mom and i said mom i don't want to be here anymore and she snapped like something snapped in her head and she was like holy crap this is my kid and this is something she's going through and whatever you're going through it doesn't matter the relationship you have with your parents right now they will snap at some point and they'll be there for you. I'm going to say, just get them alone. Just get them alone and tell them what you need to say. Like, just put it in their head and try, let's just ask them to be like, hey, I need this time to talk, just me. Don't butt in. This is me. You know, that's that's great advice. Would you add on to that, and I'm just knowing this because you've told me this before, is it okay to actually help your parents be parents? So, for example, when you get your parent alone, would it be okay to say, listen, mom, I really want to trust you. You want me to come and talk to you. So I'm going to give it a crack. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give it a shot. But I need you to just listen to me. Even if you don't like what I'm saying, freaking out, we can talk about it later. But if you can just listen to me right now, it's going to help me trust that I can talk to you more in the future about bigger things. Do you think that's, that's even possible? Do you think kids should try to give their parents suggestions of how to listen to them? Because a lot of times teenagers will tell me, hey, um, I told my parents something. They freaked out. And so I got mad at them. If you know what's going to cause them to freak out and what caused you to lose trust in them, would it hurt to give them some ideas and suggestions what to do? No, I did. I told them. I know. Parents, that's why I want you to say it. Yeah, I did. I literally would say, I said, okay, this is my time. <laughs> Shut up. This is what I need to say. Because sometimes you just need that. Like, you literally just need someone to listen to you. And that's what I would need. Like, I sometimes, honestly, it's gone to the point now where I can just go in when like, I'll just go in my mom's room after school, and I'll rant about something. She won't say a single word. She'll go on her computer, and I'm like, oh, okay, like, I get it. And then I walk out. Sometimes you just have to hear yourself talking to someone else. And half the time, it's going to be your parent because they're the ones who are going to be there for you in the end. So they've been through stuff like this. They're the ones who are going to be like, if there is something they need to say, they're going to say it. But tell them personally. Be like, say it after I tell you I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, give them, like, a cheat code. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, you want me to trust you, so here's what you can do. Don't talk while I'm talking. Yeah. Give me a moment. Let me express myself. If you freak out, freak out after I leave the room. Not right now. Yeah. Let's just start somewhere. Great advice. So let's get to another question. Next one, and I know this is – it's almost like these people knew that you were coming in here. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you develop good relationships with parents that work full time? So it sounds like this, this teenager doesn't get to see their parent a lot. And why can you personally relate to that? Because I know with one of your parents – and then what is just some simple advice off the top of your head to develop a relationship with someone who you actually don't get to see that often? Um, so my dad flies back out to California all the time for work. Um, uh, 
So he's out there a lot. And me and my dad have a pretty good connection. Not as good as my mom's. But me and my dad still have that friend-to-friend basis. You know, we're like still... A whole lot better than it used to be. Yeah. Whole lot better than it used to be. Your relationship with your dad has probably come further. Yeah. You just see your mom more. And she's a girl, so she gets the... Yeah. Like, my dad, like, there was a time where he told me he didn't want to be a part of my life. And now it's like, I call my dad when I'm freaking out, too. So definitely with like your parents not and in his them. defense, those feelings were mutual between the two of you. You didn't want him a part of your life. Yeah, either. yeah, that was <laughs> it was mutual. It was mutual. Yeah. Um, he was just the first one to say it out loud. <laughs> but and we give him a pass because he's a long way from that now. Though. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of my best friends now. But um, definitely, uh, if they are working full time and stuff, and you just again, I'm just gonna say it when you have a chance and you can see him, pull him away. Just talk to them, text them, call them, just pull them away and talk to them. Like I'm literally the, like the you base of everything. Yeah. The base of everything is I'm going to tell you is you have to talk to your parents. You have to communicate with them. That's how you're going to build this with them. Does that mean putting yourself out there and telling them that you want to and making an effort like, hey, can we just go grab a bite to eat together? Like I haven't seen you in a while. I feel like we haven't connected. Is, is that the type of save you're saying to get them one-on-one to actually make the in your intention known because a lot of teenagers may want to connect with their parents and they would like their parents to start the connection, come to them. But if your parents busy or like in your case, your dad's traveling, he may not even know that you want to be closer to him or that you want to spend time with him. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I would definitely say do that. Like say, Hey, can we go get food sometime? Can we go do this and this sometime? Like I just need some time to talk to you. Like I just need time to talk to you. And I, I'm i saying this for my parents and other parents I've seen. When you say to a parent, hey, I just want to talk to you and stuff, they normally snap and they're like, okay, what's up? You're my kid. Like, Well, especially that's not usually something teenagers say as often as little kids do. No. Because teenagers really don't need their parents for as much as they did when they're younger. Yeah. Um, one thing that came to my mind, a girl told me that she came up with a good idea. She told her dad one time they used to do things when they were younger together before they had drama and beef with each other. So she told her dad, she's, hey, dad, remember when we used to go get ice cream when I was a little kid? Or remember when we used to do these little sentimental things? And dad said, yeah. She said, I'd like to go do that again. And it kind of took him back to a place where there was no, are you coming home late? Who are you dating? What have you been doing in your free time? It took them to a place where it was just a daddy and his daughter getting some ice cream. Yeah. And interesting enough and very good on her part, she said it worked. She said her dad looked at her and was like, I'd love to go get ice cream. She said he smiled as if he was going back to when she was seven and they would get the same order every time, this little ice cream <laughs> shop. And it was like, it was this cute little nostalgic thing that allowed them to have that time to connect again. So is that something that, that yeah. possibly could work as well? Yeah. If you have something like you'd like that when you were little or something, like even going up and skiing right now in Utah, or like if you're like at the beach, say like, I just want a time to go to the beach, go to the, like go to the boardwalk or something like just those things. If you remember something that you and your parents did when you were little and everything, I, that can hit a parent so hard and bring them back to reality and be like, okay, hi, my kid's a person too. They're not just out to, d- to get me. Yeah, because, I mean, let's face it, parents get pissed off, angry, but they're kind of scared of their teenagers yeah. sometimes. <laughs> they're, they're walking on eggshells like, what's going to happen? And if you're fearing the worst to happen, you forget about those times when you used to connect, when things were simple, when they were easy. Yeah. All right, so let's, uh, I think we've got time for one more question. <coughs> this is a good one too. 
How do I tell my parents? Wait, let's let's do this one. How do you best? <laughs> there, there's a whole lot of how do I tell my parents? Of, how do you best present your opinions and thoughts to your parents without offending family members that have strong opposite opinions? Have strong opinions on the opposite end of the spectrum. So it sounds like this this young person is saying they have opinions. They want to share them with their parents, but their parents they know have totally opposite opinions on the complete other end of the spectrum that than they do. I my family. I'll just tell you right now. She's my, smiling right now. She's <laughs> smiling. She's like, I think I know, know this one. A my little bit. family is very opinionated. My my swap side like. They're very opinionated. You state your opinion. You do not. You do not let anyone shake it down. Like you stand your ground. You defend um, that, mm-hmm. even if it's wrong. You got to be right. And I've learned that from a little. From little, like I've learned that I have to state my opinion. And if I don't have my ground with it, I'm gonna get torn to pieces. So, one for that, like they have complete opposite opinions. If you have a like a relative, I'm gonna say go to them. <coughs> I'll say go to them first. Because that's what I've done. I've had, like, I've had, like, scares with things, like, where I'm freaking out. And I have called up my 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 dad's brother or, like, his sister. Like, I call Someone that up. might be a little bit more in the middle. Yeah. That might share more of a similar opinion. And you're saying go to them first and practice it with them first. Yeah. And just be like, hey, can you find a way to, can you help me with, like, I want to talk to my parents about this, but I don't know how. So I'm just, like. Because they've known your parents a lot longer. Yeah. That's like, really I'll, good advice. I go to my my dad's sister uh, all the time. Like, I recently had a friend in distress and everything, and I called her up, and I started – I was crying. I was like, look, my friend – I might even start crying now. <laughs> but um, I was like, look, I have a friend in need and everything, and I need to know how to say this to my parents. Even knowing my parents and I have a really good relationship, I still have to go to them sometimes. I was like, I have a friend in need – and they're not going to go to their parent, but I need to go to mine, and I want you to tell me, is this going to kill them? And she was like, no. Your parents love you. Like, your parents, at the end of the day, they love you. They're not out to kill you. They're not out to destroy your life. They're out to give you, to help you and do what's best. And I They may think, not always have the best approach, but no. their intention is good. No. The, yeah, their their intentions are good and stuff, but... I'm definitely saying, like, I've had family members, I go to them, and I'm like, I need you to just tell me what to do. I need your advice. And I take that, and I go to my parents. I'll even take the words they say, and I go to my parents and stuff. So I'm just saying, just go to relatives. If you have a relative you trust and you deeply are, like, like I have, like, my aunts are killing my best friends, too. And so if you trust them a little bit more, go to them before you go to your parents. Have someone on your side. You know, I think this next question, and we'll wrap up with this one because I wanted to get to this one. It may be a lot of the same advice that you're saying, but I just, you have so much great experience. I think it'd be good <laughs> for, for a young person to hear this coming from you. The question is, how do I tell my parents I'm depressed? I'm scared they won't believe me because I act like everything is fine, but I cry myself to sleep every night, and I hate myself, and I'm always thinking no one likes me. <laughs> Why do you guys that one? I was right there. Um, last year on this time, I was right there. And again, you just kind of got to pull your parents aside. That's what I did. I pulled my mom aside and I said, mom, I'm going to be straight up with you. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't. I, your parents don't want to see you depressed. 
your parents don't want that. They that's the last thing they want. It happens to everyone, yeah, it does. Um, but they don't want that. So if you can just pull them aside and tell them alone and just really express to them how you're feeling and throw all your emotion out there. Be vulnerable. Like I'm telling you right now, be vulnerable. That is gonna grab their attention so fast. It grabbed my parents' attention and I got the things I needed and but I to tell your parents that you're depressed is probably one of the hardest things I think you can do. And I've helped a lot of friends been like, I need to tell my parents I don't know how and I just tell them I go, you just have to do it. There's no way to tell them and be like, okay, say this, this and this, but I'm just saying my advice to you is be vulnerable. Be able to give yourself up and say, look, I am going through this and I need help. Ask for their advice or ask for them to get you some help. Like, they, you, you need it. Like, <coughs> you just pull them aside and you just say, hey, look, this is what's going on. Well, f- from your experience, when you open up and you're vulnerable, and I know personally that brings up a lot of emotions for you because... Um, you know, before we started the podcast, I said, here's some questions we got to give you like a little heads up. And when I said that one, you almost started tearing yeah. up. Then. Um, but you know, when you talk about being vulnerable, explain to people when you are vulnerable, what does that change about your mood? So this is a girl that sent in this question. She sh- feels that she's struggling with depression. And for, I'm taking her word. It sounds like, I don't know how long or what all the details are. Sounds like that's very real because if yeah. she's smiling and everything's fine, everything's fine. But I she's was crying there. Herself to sleep all I was time, there. She's trying to hold something back that she doesn't want to share with people. She probably feels ashamed. She probably feels embarrassed. She doesn't want to be. She doesn't want people to ha- give her sympathy. But what happens after you become vulnerable and open up and tell your parents? Like, help her understand what it's going to feel like for her. I myself, when it happened for me, I felt like a load of bricks came off my shoulder. I felt so at peace with myself, not going to lie. I like that I feel like that kind of sounds morbid in a way or something, but it it's true when people say your pain is like helps other or what is it? It's like your you put your pain onto other people, it lightens the load for you or something like that. And when I told my parents about me being depressed and my everything um, my dad, I watched my dad's tears roll down his face. I watched my mom's heart break because your parents don't want that and they're going to do everything they want. So, and how validating was that for you? Because I know in your mind, they're not going to get it They're They're going to judge me or they're going to feel like I'm lying or whatever, much like this girl said. But when you saw them cry, what did that do for you when you actually saw them feeling for you? Uh, that just, I think that really woke me up I don't know if that makes sense but it really woke me up. kind of made it real for you yeah I was like wow they do listen they are listening to me because it was something that I needed help with I didn't want to end up in a day with my family going to my funeral because that's what the point I was at and if that's the point you're at I'm telling you right now go to your parents because I don't I no one should go through that pain my family's been through that pain, and no one else should. So if you can go to your – if I'm not – if you go to your parents, like, pull them aside. It doesn't matter when or where. If you can find a moment, it doesn't matter if you're at a gathering or something or you're 
Don't do it over the phone, though. Do not do it over the phone. I'm telling you one thing. Do not do it over the phone. Or through text. Or through text. Do it in person so they can see your face. Like, let down your walls for a moment. Let down everything. And just look them in the eyes and tell them how you feel. Let the tears roll down your face. Let your whole body just relax. And that's that's so powerful. You know, when you, when someone's watching, like, if you're listening to a friend, you're looking at their face, you're seeing them shake and struggling to say something. All of your senses are going, oh, this is real. This is real. There's certain things you just can't fake. And you can tell when someone's really struggling. And I think that commands more attention from a parent. If they see their teenager going out of their way and they see someone being vulnerable, they see their kid that they love. Like you said, a parent would do anything for the kid. And they see that their kid's struggling. They need to see how real it is for you. And, you know, I tell you what. September, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Yeah. I, uh, I, I knew you'd do a great job. This is an amazing episode of the Still Trippin' Podcast. Um, thank you for all of our listeners for taking the time to, to just kind of spend some time of your day or evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this, to get some advice and some suggestions and hearing the stories of this young woman who's been on both sides of the, I hate my parents, <laughs> they hate me, to dang, now we're best homies. Like now we kick it and you spend time with them and you want to be around them. Huge 180-degree turnaround, one of the biggest I've ever heard of. So thank you for coming in September. And did you have a good time, most importantly? Yeah, yeah, I did. I This was actually – I felt like I needed this. I needed to tell other people and <laughs> tell you what's going on out there. Well, this has been very helpful for me, been very helpful for all our listeners. Um, as always, you guys, follow us on Still Trippin' Podcast on Instagram. That's S-T-I-L-L um, Trippin', T-R-I-P-N Podcast. Um, follow us, like us. We're giving away stance socks for you submitting questions. Each week we do um, a giveaway and we tell you what we're looking for as far as the questions. And we're going to be announcing um, uh, every time there's a new episode posted, we're going to be announcing the winners from the previous episode. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, if you're tripping and you're still tripping, that's all right. You're not alone. We got your back. <laughs> Have a good one.